X's for Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. So for all things movies, music, media, comics, and more, check out Cage Club at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. I'm Nico. And I'm Kevo. And this is X's for Podcast. Yay. And we're taking a look at the continuing saga of the Ten of Swords crossover, which has been a game changer for the X-Men. Now, Kevo, you started out on this channel with us over two years ago, helping me to cover all of the Marvel UK Captain Britainery. That is correct. Now, would it surprise you if I told you that Opaluna Saturnine is basically hunger gaming the X-Men against their kind of like prehistoric counterparts? No. No. Well, in this next segment, I, along with regular contributors Jonah, Evelyn, and Maddie sit down to talk about some of the crazier happenings in the pages of the Ten of Swords crossover, including the wedding of one Doug Ramsey Cypher to Bay the Blood Moon, which, again, you gotta check it out. Love is love. Hey everybody, and welcome back to This Is X Sports Center, where we're gonna give you a play-by-play of the score as it happens. Today, we're gonna be taking a look at some amazing teams from Excalibur and Wolverine. But first, let's talk to our commentators. I'm Nico. You can find me at Nico X. N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N, and no one should feel the need to continue that horrible voice. Hi, I'm Evelyn, the Comic Canary. You can find me at Twitter and Instagram at comic underscore canary, because I like making fun of Nico. Oh, I love it! Uh, hey there, sports fans. This is Maddie, and you can find me over on Instagram at, at the basely covetous man. And this is Jonah with the weather. You can follow me over on Twitter <laughs> At peak Jonah. <laughs> well, guys, we have quite a set of races for you today. And when I say races, I mean these contests were not really the sword fights we were expecting. I spent 14 issues looking for some sword fights, for some dueling, for some clink clank. And instead, I, I, I guess I just also thought it would be like point, then point, then point. And like people got double points. We started these two issues at a score of zero to zero. And by the end of Excalibur number 14 and Wolverine number 7, we find ourselves, unbelievably, with a score of 5 to 2. And, you know, I... I, I uh, but I do kind of want to know now, is there any title that either one of you, or Jonah, if you have a specific title, that you would drop if you were not collecting for the point of being on a show personally i think that i would see this through to the end it's ridiculous a little bit at this point but the the gathering of swords was varied and engaging the prophecy setup uh came from lorna and that piques my interest via x factor um you know, I really, I really think that I, I would see this through in, in terms of collection and collectability. I'm mostly with you. I think the one that I would be willing to drop, I guess, would be Hellions at this point. Now I'm going to have a different response to that after Excalibur and Wolverine. But I very much do think that if I was like, you know what, which one of these doesn't really matter to this story, I'd probably be comfortable dropping Hellions. Yeah, because at this point, they, they failed. You know, they, they set out to retrieve the swords and, oh, the competition has started. So, the, the I guess they, 
Yeah, and the swords mean nothing. And the swords are our figurative keys. It's, it is, whew, it's a lot. Evelyn, Jonah, would either one of you be like, I don't need that title in this crossover? I really feel like Hellions is the only one that doesn't fit at this point. I would agree with that, where with Hellions, it feels more like they are just kind of like, oh, we need to have this X title working in this whole setup uh, crossover event. We have to include all the titles. So what can we do with Hellions? It just feels like an afterthought almost. Whereas with everything else, I feel like they are doing a relatively good job with going from one comic to the next being like, yes, this is what's happening. And so I think that I wouldn't be able to drop anything else because I feel like I would miss something. Though that being said, after Excalibur and Wolverine, I might change my mind. Though I kind of want to see what else is going to happen. I'm willing to give it like one more issue to see this contest. But if it continues the way it's going, it's like, eh. I, I don't think I have any new opinions to add because I share the very similar sentiments that Hellions already felt out of place as a title and that I was excited, still excited to read, but it's already on, you know, rocky footing with everything that's already been gone on through its issues. But now it really seems like that was just a weird side story that they had to put in and I'd rather they just use that time for something else that did that issue really need to happen we already know the outcome so does it matter are the contents of that story that amazing that you were like well they're gonna know that they failed but like everything else about it is interesting i okay so let's start with excalibur there's no other place to start but um i was patsy klein about this i go to pieces and it's just apps i guess no one's a patsy klein so it's just absolutely stating because and like there's there's hints um in marauders number 15 brian says you know i hope you won't fall to pieces over this and saturnine says oh no not i and like i get it and you know we actually had hints of it the amulet was shattered so it makes sense that a captain britain could be shattered i guess and if the sword is made out of like magical stuff of the universe it can't be that easy just to break it i guess Either way, end of the day, Betsy's defeat is meant to be deafening and resounding. It's so unceremonious in the only actual ceremonial sword fight of the entire thing. And it also really does indicate the bigger plan. Our guys are fucked. Our guys are fucked top to bottom. Our guys are fucked in and out of every hole. Our guys are fucked. Betsy's defeat against Iska was really what it had to be to make sense. Goddamn, was she defeated. Oh, yeah, it was, it wasn't even like, to me, it wasn't even a fair fight where it seems like, to me, it seems like Saturnine definitely did something purely just to mess with Betsy. Like, it seemed more like something petty rather than anything else. And then she walked on her. She literally steps on the pieces of Betsy. I'm actually marching in place, moving my arms back and forth. Because Saturnine, the gift of time, actually walked right all over Betsy. Like, fucking physically. And that felt to me very much more in line with, what do you mean, you're not going to be my concubine? My concubine. Oh my god. Oh, she wanted Captain Avalon to be her concubine. Okay. And... She really like, did. How could you not want to fuck me so good? And he was like, because I only have sex with my family. And 
So she, that's a little bit more the Saturnine from that issue here, walking all over Betsy's defeated carcass. But okay, that exchange, before even the death, Iska's cleverness, the sword, that's just a name, that whole exchange bit was like, ah, I hate how much I love the Iraqi, and Iska is really earning a place in my heart. I, I want to make a mention of this in that I understand part of this story is to show that Krakoa is not prepared and that there are better and stronger and handsome and sexier mutants out there. And that's great and all. But it feels like they made the, the Iraqi on a level that they didn't need to be where there isn't any hope. And I don't know if that's exactly the point, but I personally don't find that as fun to read because that's not as enjoyable if it's a complete and utter stomp. Like, having a character's power be, they're unbeatable. Like, I, while I enjoy Iska's personality, the, like, the thought of having a character whose mutant power is, I'm unbeatable in every way, shape, or form, that's a Gary Stew, and other times we'd be calling that out. It, like, why? I understand that this is meant to be a type of, like, desolate hope with a desolate despair with a, where the Krakoans are never going to win but like this is not fun to read what like why would you ever make a character like that i i i don't i don't understand i don't understand i how will you evelyn do you understand Okay, so I kind of understand, but that's purely because I'm obsessed with this show from New Zealand called The Almighty Johnsons, where one of the characters that is his power is he can he cannot lose. And it's I think that's why I enjoyed the the parlor game so much from the last uh episode that we were talking about because it really reminded me of like that character and the way that they developed that character was really interesting so it makes me very curious about how they're going to develop Iska. I really hope we continue to see her past Ten of Swords because there is stuff with that because I kind of like the fact that it's like what they mentioned very early on in Ten of Swords was that because she cannot lose she switched sides where she's like well our side's gonna lose so I can't be on your side anymore and that whole thing about like not really having loyalty to anyone else, I feel like you can really do an interesting character study about that, see if she like feels guilt or anything. So I think that there is potential for some interesting explorations of her character, assuming they do it right. And I, I agree with you, a very, you know, popular and famous anime, One Punch Man, a character that's virtually unbeatable and all powerful and amazing. We love you, Saitama. It's still a very interesting, fun story because you put them in situations that are so ridiculous and so cool that you forgive that this character is meant to be unbeatable because you use that idea of what that means in really weird scenarios. So I agree with you, the parlor games are fun, but like out of everybody else, because spoiler, though we're going to cover it, nobody else had to do really a sword fight outside of Wolverine, War, and solemn even then that wasn't exactly a sword fight it was a first to lose to lose an appendage like i wish they put her in a different combat i i don't know something about iska being the one of the only ones to have to do an actual trial by sword made me just feel weird the wedding of bay the blood moon and cypher doug ramsey and i find myself like i don't know this was the first one where I was like, okay, okay, this is okay. Um, 
How would someone have lost here? According to uh, Saturnine, they both were supposed to lose. Like, were they just supposed to not get married? And that's yeah, losing? basically. Yeah. Was it they like would... the chicken who like who backs out first loses? Is this straight chicken? Wow, getting married is breeder chicken. Okay. Though, so can we all agree that Doug is definitely getting pegged tonight? Oh. Like... Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. yeah. Well, what my favorite means, Bay would be like, this is my husband, Doug, and this is Doug's husband, Warlock. Yeah, and like, yeah. Warlock has to be self-pulsating friend. I'm just saying. And I also made kind of like a, a sinister finger motion when I said it. <laughs> <laughs> this wedding, though, uh, Jubilee. Um, I, uh, um, I could have done without it, honestly. Yeah. Jubilee really kind of upset me here. I... I don't know that it's, like, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, Saturnine being like, this mummy would have had you kill your mummy in front of mummy, which was pretty cute. Like, I, I kind of guess that made sense with Saturnine's personality. That's her being like, how kind was I to spare your friend? But, like, Jubilee rushing in rubbed me slightly the wrong way. It really rubbed me the wrong way, specifically when all of her friends and, you know, family and teammates are being like, Jubilee, stop. And she's like, but no, fireworks, show goes fire. And it's like, did you, what? Does she just not listen to anybody? I, I feel like if I was doing something and all my friends and family were like, Jonah, stop. I, if multiple people are telling me to stop, I feel like I'd be inclined to stop. Especially with the fate of reality at stake. Yeah, for sure. It just, and plus, okay, tell me if I'm wrong, but we didn't have any context for her being there, right? At least with the X of Swords and the prelude stuff. Like, I don't recall her, like, ever being near there, being a player, being just, it just seemed really out of left field. And especially with something that's been so detail-oriented, it felt out of place. I, I agree with you that there were details potentially missing, and it's kind of like, oh yeah, Jubilee's here. She actually was there in Excalibur. It's I don't remember the exact issue, but that's where they met the followers of Saturnine, who aren't exactly followers. They're, she has the, her apostles and followers that dress in white, but these are the ones that dress in green, that are more about protecting Otherworld, and they kind of just happen to align with Saturnine, not fully. Uh, and once that's where they met you know, Captain Britain, it's before Betsy went inside the Citadel, and when Shogo got hurt, they were healing. Uh, uh, they were healing him, and we kind of got that scene of Jubilee kind of like being super scared in the like she they trapped her in like a tree. Betsy had to be like Jubilee, like relax, relax, it's okay. Like nobody's gonna get hurt. You just gotta, you just gotta calm down a bit, and like we can let you out. So for her to kind of just be there and a nobody talk about it, b no one want to message her see no one thinking to be like oh where's jubilee like there are details missing but like she was i guess she could be in other world it just it does feel weird though but you know what felt beautiful i really loved bay's vows like they were good vows they were real good vows and this whole idea that bay the blood moon's doom note expresses itself emotionally it wants to be understood in an emotionally compelling way but it does so without the advent of language which prohibits Doug from being able to understand Bay. This whole idea that the thing that makes them both special also in some ways stands in the way of their communication, creating a fascination with one another, actually kind of is the opposite yet the same as Warlock. Warlock is so foreign to our understanding of reality, yet Warlock and Cypher were able to communicate pretty early on uh, in meeting in the Sienkiewicz Claremont New Mutants run. But here you have someone where Cypher's like, I'm going to struggle to understand you forever. 
And it's always going to be a really fascinating situation. And for that reason, like, I don't know that I, I mean, I kind of think that all of the X-Men are like, at least some kind of pan by open-minded. Like Scooby-Doo. Yeah, like Scooby-Doo, like Power Rangers. Everybody's willing to make out with everybody a little bit, right? So like, even if you're not a big fan of Doug is by, there is something very specifically not set up about this love affair in advance by virtue of they just met, that the contextualization of the Doom Note creating this emotional resonance that wants to be understood language, uh, like linguistically, and the counterpart of it, that yet despite this, Cypher has a hunger to understand more, I think is actually a really compelling argument to how far Cypher's come as a character, and why I'm excited about the future of the way the Arakans and Krakoans might interact. There is something really special about the fact that they didn't just say, oh, polyglot with polyglot, and stick Doug with his equivalent from Arako. This was a much more dynamic, interesting choice for my sake. Wow, I would never have thought to look at this pairing that way. I was a little bit jaded, personally, that we didn't get Doug with Red Root. Not not in, in marriage. I don't think I ever expected a wedding to actually occur. But I definitely thought Doug and Red Root would be some sort of a pairing. But you sold me on Bay. Well, thank you. And you know, funny enough, Ileana makes a joke that she wishes that she was preparing Doug for a wedding in New Mutants 13. And then she tries to. She's like, do you need to, like, talk of the birds and bees? I'm mostly self-taught, but, like, I can answer stuff. The first dick she ever saw was, like, a demon dick. That had to really mess her up when she came home and tried to have sex with a person. She's like, where are its horns? Here, though, is a great point to talk about Ileana. The Ileana arm wrestling defeat, it's more of this, our biggest players are shit to you, right? Like, I get it. And, like, we all love Pogger Pog. Like, Pogger Pog is the best or best. But... Finding a way that Ileana could be so deftly defeated so quickly and I guess not offensively because it's not that she's a woman so she's smaller. She's literally tiny. I don't know why she couldn't manifest one of her demon forms. Like, just lose control for a second. Music make you lose control. Break his arm! But, right? Let's go now! Let's go now! Arm wrestle! What? What? So, I just want to know why they had to defeat Ileana so unceremoniously yet again. Yeah, like, where was that demon form from Empire that was, like, willing to destroy the entire world? I was really, really upset by this. Okay, you want to do the twist that these challenges aren't exactly uh, all going to be all about a sword fight. And that's fine, especially if we're trying to control this narrative that the swords were actually more of a key and your willingness to, you know, kind of accept whatever Saturnite said to do. But I was really upset by this because for a character that I really love, and it's not a personal slight against me, but I'm taking it as one, to have it be written off so fast in just like three or four pages felt really like, like, I don't know if I'm just disappointed, angsty. I don't know exactly how to describe it other than why. Why was this the choice you went with? There was no there there was no chance in limbo for Ileana to win this kind of competition against Pog or Pog. And it begs to question like the entirety of this entire contest to me. Well what the fuck is Saturnine doing? All of these she's making up these weird arbitrary rules and comp and challenges to make it be like, well Coco is just never gonna win. I, I I'm not finding it as enjoyable to read. Like I don't care if things are stacked against somebody and they try to find ways to overcome the odds because that could be exciting to read. But have it be where you have this very powerful magic tricks woman 
be like, I'm going to do what I want. You're going to have to listen and fuck the rules because I make the rules. It's just, I, 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 I just don't understand. Um, I also want to make one point about the previous issue that someone on Twitter brought up that I thought was fascinating that I never knew about and would have never have known. They're kind of treating Opal Luna Saturnine like Emma Frost because there's, there's a, a panel, which I, I wish I could credit the person who tweeted this slash find out which uh, issue it's from. But Emma, you know, mind controls, I believe, two mutants or these two boys and says, come to mommy. I know you want to be with Mother Emma. And it's, it's a very similar hand motion. It's a very similar panel. And that makes me upset because those are two distinct different characters. Whether you find them as these very powerful blonde ladies who know exactly what they want and are going to get it. Sure, great, but they're still different enough that having almost a verbatim copycat of her, like that's not who Opal Luna Saturnine is. So, from actual, like, fighting, though, we get a weird detour. Okay, I'm not one of the people who was negative on this, but the Wolverine Storm stuff. I saw a lot of people complain that during this major event where their good friend Betsy just died and Doug might be Bay the Blood Moon sub-prisoner, I don't know, right? That with all of this going on, Storm seems oddly chill with her drinking with Wolverine. I understand what they're saying, but I think Storm just knows how to play the game. And there is clearly more at foot with the Storm thing. We saw the beetle death thing come back up from the pages of Marauders. How dare you serve me this beetle? And then Wolverine ate the beetle. And then here we see later on a beetle in Magic Jaspers. And, you know, what did you make me drink? There's a lot to be said for Storm's behavior in this instance, but I'm unwilling to characterize it as poor behavior. I more am willing to think of it as Storm understands what's at stake and she has no reason to compromise the quality of her actions for things she cannot control. I definitely agree with that. I know that a lot of people on Twitter were upset about it, but I thought it was a, it was Storm. She even says like, we haven't even had the chance to mourn, but this is absolutely crazy. Let's go ahead and have a drink and maybe talk. And I think she was definitely affected by the drink as well, where I, it's just, it's Saturnine just manipulating everything. So I don't, I'm not mad at Storm at all. No, and I, I completely agree with that take that this is Storm knowing what to do. Storm has shown herself since her very first iterations that she's a very clever person and she's, cl- she's clever enough to survive Cairo all on her own as a thief. She was clever enough to, you know, save the X-Men multiple times. Uh, throwback to when Magneto had them all chained up and the nanny bot was like, now, now, children, time for your daily oatmeal or something along those lines. And she was the one who was able to break them all out, even though it like physically pained her. There's a lot to be said about Storm knowing how to play a game and to survive and how to act in certain situations. But I almost threw my book away between putting Wolverine in a fight where you nullified his powers and giving a win to the opposite party when Wolverine won the fight. It comes across again at this narrative that she's that to echo what you said, Evelyn, that Saturnine's just being vindictive. She's just being I hate to say this, it feels like she's just being a bitch to be a bitch. And that's not who she is. I don't think that's a good characterization of a woman, and it really does upset me that there doesn't seem to be a rhyme or reason as to why she's acting like this and why she's so upset with Krakoa. 
And the whole thing doesn't make sense either because she literally shows Wolverine what's going to happen if they lose. And then she's setting them up to lose, which is something I was saying earlier. She's definitely working with information that we as the reader don't have. And I feel like that really hindered like Excalibur and Wolverine because she's obviously doing something and she never does anything just because she always has a plan or at least when she's written well she always has like a plan and motivations we just don't know this yet and I, I just I feel like it was not good and I think so many of the plans that we don't really understand yet are still like what's kind of haunting the story so after the guaranteed win of Arako for the sake of no after the guaranteed win of Krakoa thanks to the sake of the drinking competition Things move over and Wolverine fights in for Solemn. And so no matter what happens, Wolverine does not gain a point for Krakoa. Yet he still does manage to cut War's hand right the fuck off. And there's something that I find almost disengaging about the fact that Wolverine was in a contest that guaranteed a Krakoa point, immediately followed by a contest that guaranteed an Arako point. I get that we're trying to say how hopeless this situation is, but I do feel like we're getting really close to the ending to be so hopeless. Like, I do need something to maybe turn around, because all said and done, we stand at a score of 5-2, to Arako to Krakoa, and I find myself very worried. There's this storm-death thing going on. Wolverine is now somehow, I'm sure, going to have an ongoing forever fight with war because he killed summoner but you know he had to and the fact that that stupid point that for the death to the death point went against wolverine is so ridiculous at a certain point i find myself concerned that the pivot point for this arc to this very different tonality came in at the 15 and 16th issues of 22 that is two-thirds of the way through the story and much too late to suddenly change the narrative tone of what we've been working with. I have to ask you guys, now that we actually are seven points in to the Ten of Swords competition, I'm left a little disappointed. Even if you're able to show me how later on these elements come together to construct a powerful narrative that defined the arc and that these steps were not poor steps, I am hard-pressed to believe that these were the only choices that could be made nor were they the best choices that could be made to satisfy the story. I would be looking for something a little stronger from these specific sort of like climactic moments of the story, especially when I was promised for like 11, 12 issues, I was getting a sword fight. That was a lot of sword covers. Not only that, you asked every other title to be put on hold to tell this story. So you're asking other writers, other artists, other people, and other contributors to say, your stories are important, but we have to do this big thing. It's going to be the best thing. It's going to be huge. It's going to be wondrous. But it feels like they're not delivering on what was promised to us. And do I? does every fight have to be a sword fight between people? No, it really doesn't. You can have interesting and tw- ways and challenges and twists and all that nice stuff, but you can't just arbitrarily change the rules when you feel like it that's not good story writing 
it feels a little bit more like Jamie is running the the show than than Opaluna. Not in a literal sense, but at looking at all of these challenges individually, this seems a little bit more like it's cooked up by Jamie than it is an actual fair contest of arms by Opaluna Saturnine. Yeah, there's a madness to this that does not indicate a regality or an omniversal majestrix. And I don't mean that insultingly but like i maybe have lost a lot of interest in saturnine as a character because of this arc she was always one of my favorite captain britain supporting characters but i genuinely feel they have really pivoted her into the position of an insidious villain and once again if you know there's a lot of theories online that betsy broke into shards so did the amulet perhaps this is important to be considered the connectivity of shattering captain britain and shattering the captain britain amulet cool 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 the sword even got shattered, so perhaps that creates a new alternate lion hearts because then somebody could choose the sword. Cool, cool, cool. I even get all of that. But there is something very cruel and evil about how Saturnine is performing her role in all of this that doesn't really tell me something I want to know about her. Hey everybody, Nico and Kevo here again. Hi. And so Kevo, one of the things that's been really fun about talking about Ten of Swords is I do keep bringing up our earlier episodes where we talked about Captain Britain and those characters. And at this point in Ten of Swords, Mad Jim Jaspers is the leader of a crooked market in Otherworld that's kind of like a creepy canal street running alongside the Otherworld Palace, while Jamie Braddock is kind of an interdimensional monarch. Betsy was the most recent Captain Britain until she was literally shattered like an amulet while Brian is now Captain Albion in a really sexy outfit. The only part of that that seems weird to me so far from where I'm at in Captain Britain way back in the 80s is the Jamie stuff. He's still a race car driver where I'm at. Oh no, now he just wears briefs and raves about the intricacies of dimensional alteration. I can be okay with that. Yeah, well, in this next segment, Josh leads a room featuring Arturo, Kyle, and Robbie where the four of them talk a little bit about the weird tone shift in these issues of Ten of Swords, but how in a lot of ways, this is pretty in line with the event so far. All right, we're back in room two to talk about Excalibur 14 and Wolverine 7, parts 15 and 16 of Ten of Swords. Excalibur 14, written by Teeny Howard, with art by Phil Noto and letters by VCs Ariana Marr, sees the tournament begin and shame on all of us for not realizing that when Saturnine spent 14 chapters building us up for Highlander, she was really going to give us Monty fucking Python. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly that. Oh my God. Followed by Wolverine 7, written by Ben Percy and Jerry Duggan, with art by Joshua motherfucking Kassara, colors by Guru FX, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Now, with me, too, is Kyle. Hello. Uh, you can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82, D-R-A-N-T-I-S-8-2. We also have Robbie. And you can find me at Age of Polaris on Twitter. And with us, we have Arturo. Hey, all you cool cats and kittens. You can find <laughs> me at Mr. Toybox on Twitter and Instagram. And with us, we have our Captain Commander, Josh Wheel. I'm Josh Wheel, and you can find me at Asleep at the Wheel, W-E-I-L, on Twitter and at asleepatthewheel.com. 
Doing a quick little bit of math. We're 16 chapters out of 22. <laughs> that is 68% of the story. That is a little too much goddamn story to be changing completely what we were all expecting. Um, I don't know how else to say it. This is a Whiskey Tango Foxtrot twist. Um, for me personally, what we get here in Excalibur and Wolverine is the type of twist that should come narratively at the end of Act 1. I think technically this is very well done, but with the way the tournament of Ten of Swords actually goes down in these issues, I have some serious sword-fighting blue balls. <laughs> Can I just say my favorite thing about this week has been watching half of X Twitter just trying to cope with this, <laughs> with this whole twist. And you've been a big part of that, Josh. Um, yeah, I I get what you're saying. I get that this was uh, a, a very sharp left turn, but fuck, I loved it so much. And uh, and and I just think this all speaks to what we've been talking about, about Saturnine's power and how, you know, this, this whole thing has been a ruse. Like we came in thinking this was going to be a pretty straightforward contest of champions, match them up, keep score, and let's go. And it's definitely not that. It's definitely not that, honey. We are at Saturnine's fucking acid trip tea party, and she's the one just calling the shots. It's definitely an otherworldly style of tournament. Um, And I have been saying in the past that we never learned the the rules of the tournament. So I... Not an accident. Not an accident. So (laughs) I wasn't really convinced that it really was going to be just a sword fight and they had said in what was it stasis i believe that the the swords were just a key it was just to prove that you were eligible to be in the tournament there was nothing saying that you were required to use them right but there was also this implication that it was going to actually be a tournament and now it's (laughs) it's just kind of like yeah I, i think nico called it mario party you know and that feels right on because there's these different, you know, and it's it's not even clear what what the the list of options are. It feels like it's literally Saturnine pulling it out of out of a hat each time. Like, okay, and now we're gonna do a drinking game. Cheers. Like what? And now I'm throwing a wedding. Like what? Bitch? Yes, and what? All the way back in creation, when Saturnine was talking to Chibi Death, she said, Are you willing to fight for it in a matter we see fit? She's very deliberate with all of her words everywhere. Um, you know, she's talking to M, and she says, then the contest will begin. M says, care to be more specific? It's exactly what you think, mutant. Like, she's coy with her words. It is the classic other world. Like, we were not lied to. We were right. deceived, but we were not lied to. And yeah, yep, I yeah. Mean, yep. We'll, we'll get into in a minute. Like, I think we just need to get out all of the, like, grumble fuckery of <laughs> this. Because there is some good story to go to. Like, technically, it's very well done. And there's a lot more we can continue to speculate on. But, God, so many chapters building up to an epic sword fight. Only <laughs> to then 
I mean, here's the way it goes down. We start with Iska versus Betsy. It gets going. There's a couple kind of parries. And then Betsy blocks an attack and the sword shatters and Betsy shatters. And at that moment, like the look on everyone's face, we talked about facial expressions in the Marauders issues. There's a whole bunch of what the fucks. And that's exactly the same look on my face. Like that's the same look I have. And before we know it, it's a Racco 2 Krakoa 1, and no one knows what the fuck just happened. It was a lot. It was a lot. And I think, okay, the technical term you're looking for, Josh, is face crack. That whole page, that was the called, that's a face crack of the century. And everybody's mug was cracked. And it was beautiful. And uh, and yeah, I mean, I know I know people on, on Twitter were like pulling their hair out and <laughs> defending Betsy and like, no, you did Betsy wrong. And she's so much more than that and blah 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 and i loved it this is like the fuckery of tinny howard is just (laughs) on such a level like and i'm on record with i've got some you know qualms with her or whatever with some of the pacing and excalibur and yeah pacing might be an issue especially in this but i just delight in in what she does at this point i I no longer fight it i just i i enjoy the ride i know i'm not going to get what i want i know i'm not going to get what i expected and you know fuck it let's do it and And she and that's what she delivers said at the start of this teeny's going to hurt us Oh, yeah. yes, like if yes. you've read mm-hmm. Tini before, you know that she's going to hurt us. But the fact that she found a way to do that with us expecting to be hurt <laughs> and still like fuck with us sideways, like I'm not, I'm not over this yet. Clearly, <laughs> yeah. You know, while Tini was typing up this script, she was like, "Wow, uh, <laughs> expedition." day with this <laughs> i think it's amazing i think it's amazing and i i mean i don't know i was seeing like online there's like a lot of you know hate about it and, and i don't know i mean i i get it and you can criticize books and and whatever that's fine and things might not be to your liking but like we're so far into this story specifically what they have done in ten of swords and the amount of like world building and character development and all of this all of these different levels like it's just just funny to me to see some people almost like have amnesia and and just focus on this and be like oh this sucks and let's get through it and it's like you guys just enjoy the ride they're gonna they're gonna stick the landing you know they've certainly stuck the beginning and middle so yeah this might this little twist might be a little a little you know disorienting but it's gonna land we knew that things were gonna have to go different like there were things we couldn't explain before this we knew that too many of these characters were going to survive We knew that Betsy was going to lose to Iska the Unbeaten, but Betsy was still going to be around after. We knew, like, there were things that we didn't know how they were going to work and maneuver and resolve, and now we do. We know that they're not all fights to the death, right? (laughs) Ileana fights Pog. Oh, no, are we going to lose Pog? Is Pog going to get slaughtered so quickly? Nope, because it's a fucking arm wrestling match. (laughs) Which, oh, did anyone else (laughs) think that he was going to have to arm wrestle with his little baby crocodile hands? Uh, I mean, <laughs> that's that's probably my favorite thing about Pog's design is the little like useless hands that kind of are hanging there. And uh, yeah, he's got these big giant like rock hands, and then he's got the little tiny like T Rex arms that yeah. like 
can't reach low enough to jerk off with. Yes. I don't think yes. I even noticed that. Oh my god, his little his little hands are almost they're like cute. protruding nipples. They're so ah. cute. Yeah, they're little T-Rex hands. But yeah, I know he used I think his biggest arm and and put her through the table and Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this this is you know what? You know what's a perfect uh illustration of how I've come around with Tinny is I didn't even mind Shogo in this. Every time Shogo the Dragon shows up on panel, my eyes roll out of my head. I can't <laughs> fucking stand it. I can't stand it. I can't stand that his dragon fire burns reality. I can't stand that he's a baby. I can't stand that it feels like he's been in dragon form for probably in Way their time long. a good what? four six months at least like i mean it's about the same amount of time that um Ilyana had to you know sit in the circle and wait for everyone else to get the <laughs> i mean yeah. it's it, like i'm 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 on like i'm not a fan of the whole shogo is a dragon thing right like i mean and just you know if we're talking about jubilee i love I love the Jubilee that was Wolverine's sidekick, right? Like, that's my favorite Jubilee. That's that's the Jubilee yeah. I imprinted on. That, to me, is Jubilee, right? The, that was like the Robin to his Batman, and I love that Jubilee. And when she started developing, I think really as a character, was when she went to uh, to Generation X, right? And that, that was her now s- very separate from Wolverine. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, back then, that, that that's a Jubilee I loved back then. Ever since Jubilee became a vampire and and adopted a baby and, you know, like, she's just not my favorite anymore. And I hate to say that. Uh, But I I even enjoyed this. Her showing up, you know, at the tournament and and crashing the wedding and just spitting fire at everybody was, I don't know. Like, it wasn't what I expected. It's not what I wanted, but I enjoyed the shit out of it. Did you notice that when Saturnine was um, capturing Shogo and his dragon fire that her magic almost kind of looked like Jamie's uh, reality yes. strings. Yes. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yes. You're right. Yep. It's it's I'm I'm noticing things that are pointing to a lot of his powers being used. Like the shattering that was similar to when he caused Betsy to shatter Betsy and the the amulet to shatter, which yes. resulted in those um those false Captain Britain versions. Yeah, so I'm I'm wondering if if we're seeing maybe Saturnine is using the theory behind his powers to do something similar. We could be having, you know, we talked in our room over the last couple of weeks about the three-way chess match. And I know this was something Nico talked about in his room as well, between Apocalypse, Annihilation, and Saturnine here. Mm-hmm. And I think what we might be seeing more is uh, another level chess match going on behind all of this between Jamie and Saturnine. Um, there's a lot to speculate after these twists. Um, I think one of the most common ones is that we didn't see Betsy die. You know, we saw Betsy shattered in a way that, as you said, was reminiscent to the shattering of, um, with the recursions, creating a Captain Britain core. We Mm -hmm. know that Saturnine created this sword, this sword that was designed to shatter and shatter the bearer and that she intended it for Brian, which can only lead us to believe at this point that she had wanted Brian holding this sword against Iska to guarantee that Iska wins, to guarantee that the sword gets shattered. And that she has a new core full of Brian's. Yep, that, that's so exactly. She can just have a Caligulan orgy house of Brian's. 
And listen, and listen, I would I would risk all of reality for the same thing. So I'm not mad at her. So, you know, what we get from Betsy or what's going to come from this after, yeah, like, there's there's some stuff going there. Like, there's definitely Saturnine's machinations at play. I've heard other people comparing or saying, like, is this the Saturnine, S-A-T-U-R-N-Y-N-E, or is this one of the alt versions? Is this an evil version of Saturnine that's taken over? Is this a Jamie-manipulated version of Saturnine? Is she chess-matching against you? We've seen a lot of Jamie in high position kind of in the background and through these. He was the host of the Betsy match that got that did that shattering. Um, mm-hmm. There was a lot of background maneuvering going on in this as well. Um, again, it's part of the very British nature of Otherworld, I think, where, you know, pleasantries in the front, manipulations in the back, things are not what they seem. Um, be polite even when, you know, you hate someone, like when you're at war, like there's, there's that aspect to it, which I think is part of what helped sell the faint for the first 68% of the story. <laughs> Still working through that. Still working, Still working through, through it. Through <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think I think shattering into a million pieces was is maybe the best thing that's happened to Betsy in a while. Um, <laughs> honestly, honestly, because I, I think it's going to be it's going to give her character a a refresh that I that I think is going to pay off. Right, it's going to help establish her as Captain Britain. The fact that there will be you know a multiverse worth of of Betsy's. Um, I, I I don't know. I think it's I think it was a cool move. You know, and I think and I I also think Saturnine's going to take her sweet ass time in uh in seeing in bringing betsy back in any form so i don't think i don't think that's going to happen uh necessarily in the next couple of issues but we'll see now going to another character so we knew betsy was still going to be around because we've seen her on covers post x of swords and solicits we have not seen douglas ulysses ramsey on any covers post x of swords solicits now that we know that he is um Douglas Bay. I'm assuming <laughs> that he's taking her surname. Now that um, now that he's a kept man, what are our thoughts uh, for Doug moving forward? And opinions on what we saw here in the second half of Excalibur 14. Mm, I think that if if Saturnine pits him against somebody else, that Bay is going to stand with him. Ooh, that is so good. I didn't think of that. Yeah. I'm jealous. But, I'm jealous that that wasn't my take. Yeah, they, I think I think I think Bay will kill anyone and everyone to protect Doug. Yeah. Like that's She that's, has a puppy. Yeah, that's her baby. <laughs> or yeah. And I mean, if even just reading her vows, yeah, you you can tell that she is committed to him for life. <sighs> And even- Apocalypse, <laughs> wait, and Apocalypse telling Doug, because he's like, I don't even understand what she said. And, and Apocalypse is like, they're good vows, Douglas. You should accept them. <laughs> he's just <laughs> such the dad. He is the patriarch. Oh, he was the dad again. Yeah. He's yep, the dad yep. again. If Apocalypse dies, you guys, I am going to need therapy. I swear to God. Also, so the scene with them walking down the aisle. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> And looking on both sides of the aisle, how much taller both Apocalypse and Annihilation are compared to everyone else? Like, Annihilus is a good two feet taller than Death. Yes. And he's twice as tall as Iska. And, and, I mean, you can can barely tell 
facial you you can't really tell facial expressions on on the rock inside but i mean iska looks happy iska and, looks happy and then you have <laughs> you have cable giving double thumbs up <laughs> I love how tiny Cable is. <laughs> yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is awesome, you guys. Being the Blood Moon, this is a little bit absurd because I don't know anything about you, but you're going to be my wife. So I swear to uphold my vow to you for the duration of this challenge or whatever. And I'll always be grateful that we got to do this instead of sword fight because I'm not ready to die. <laughs> so sweet when the grim fog of bloodshed overtakes us the beloved is the beacon that returns us to our better selves love is a fealty that cannot be broken i will love you with the force of the wave that crashes the shore and fight for you like the current that swallows the sand yeah she's gonna fuck someone up for him oh yeah oh Oh, yeah yeah. oh yeah i can't wait they will they will burn everything down and i i I don't know i kind of love it i i i want to point out that it is very suspect that war remains silent through all of this like i i kind of yeah and i was thinking about it i was like wait is it because warlock is the sword and maybe saturnine has all the swords you know like is that but no his arm is he's got his little warlock arm still got lock arm yeah so i'm kind of surprised we didn't get a self friend what the hell are you doing but i (laughs) i love i love that doug is in such a a fog with bay like doug just he's just they sold me looking up at her in awe yeah and i like i buy it i totally buy it that that he's just like you know head over heels for bay bay is bay (laughs) bay is bay (sighs) yes so okay so that is excalibur so in wolverine we get a much bigger focus on wolverine obviously but we also get uh iliana fighting pog your pog which the whole thing i i just i can't talk about this book Wolverine 7, just give Joshua Kassara and Eisner right fucking now. This is an absolute showcase what he did artistically here from the flat grand design style sections to the shattering and they're fighting across glass shards to the zombie versions to the Tron versions yes. to yes. the mushroom version. Like, oh my God, the Battle of Blightspoke was stunning. Just flat out visually stunning. And the rest of it was, I mean, the rest of the book is beautiful and falls in line as well. Like he's never off, um, but this was his issue a hundred percent. Yeah. Totally. Totally agree with you, Josh. Like, absolutely incredible showcase work. One thing that threw me off was when Solemn jumps on another dragon, and it's like a half-decomposed dragon. That, that to me, was just like, narratively, I was like, where the hell did that come from? Uh, but that aside, yeah, I mean, Kasara's jo- ability to tell a story visually is just unmatched. I mean, he's, he's a master. Yeah, I didn't really think about it. I was definitely... I was much more looking back at that scene at the, oh, the what this means in terms of and, you know, replaying the previous Logan Solemn stuff in my head and what mm-hmm. this is going to mean with war and like and then admiring, oh, their card was the three of swords. It's there's three of them involved in a swords match, just like, you know, the the page of cups and, you know, for the drinking match and everything like um 
to kind of play on the names of these cards and what these cards were doing that Logan had the strength card with, you know, summoner on top of him and it was enduring blight spoke that I, I completely missed the, Oh yeah. Zombie dragon out of nowhere. He jumped off a cliff and then rode a zombie dragon off. Like, yeah, that happened. Yeah. And that, that that's the only reason I mention it because that pulled me out for a second. Like I was like, wait, is that Shogo? And then I'm like, no, Shogo's by Saturnine. So that's just a random. It, so it was just, that just kind of threw me, you know? Yeah. Do we, do we know which world th- that battle's take place in? Is that, oh, oh wait, no, that's that, war? Yeah. That I think's in the, in the Citadel. Oh, I think okay. that's at yeah. the Starlight Citadel. It is. It's in the yeah. Starlight Citadel. Oh, so she Which, just randomly has a, a zombie dragon. Okay, so okay. now if you go back to the beginning of this, when Wolverine is drunk and is um, <clears throat> tapping glasses with the weird storm that's trying to make out with him and doesn't sound like storm at all, mm. you can actually see the red decomposed dragon flying in the background behind War. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I didn't notice that. I didn't either until <laughs> just now. <laughs> so... Yeah, this, I, this, that whole section with, with the drinking game and Storm acting weird and the, the, the liquor causing, uh, Logan to lose his healing factor. And then you have this brief, uh, moment where you say, see Jim Jaspers making a deal with death. For a scarab. Yeah. That is definitely supposed to call back to Marauders when they tried to feed him a scarab, but I have no idea how or why. Right. Well, I think that's, I think this was death paying off Jim Jaspers. Uh, so Jim Jaspers would get Wolverine wasted. Before Wolverine was transported to go fight war. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, 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 yeah. I feel like this is, this is more, you know, a rocking uh, high key fuckery and them, you know, trying to one up the, the X-Men. It could be. I get the feeling more that this is going to be like a future fuckery, but. Not sure. Let's just a uh, show of hands, you know, yay or nay. Do you believe that that was 616 Storm drinking with Wolverine? I do. Yes. yes. I agree that it was, that it yeah. was off, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I think introducing different uh, universes or whatever is, is a complication we don't need right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I agree. She read a little, it was a little weird, but it, to me, it, it was a callback to, I mean, they have been romantically, you know, connected before. Like they've, is, they've hooked up, they've made out, they've, they've banged. Oh, they've hooked up a number of times. Yeah. Yeah. Is, yeah. is this the issue that Marvel's been hinting that they're, uh, they would be rekindling their relationship in? I don't know. I don't know, but I know what you're talking about. There was, there's been like conversation about that recently. And I don't know if, if previews of this are what sparked it, or if there's something else coming down the road that, that, that started that conversation, but that's been a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, Storm has been flirting with absolutely everyone over her last four or five appearances. And so (laughs) it's hard to say what's what i guess um uh, she she definitely it is like explicit canon that uh she rebounded from her divorce with black panther with wolverine and she specifically chose wolverine because when her and black panther ended it he said to her anyone but logan so she went straight to logan and fucked logan mm. that is that's canon okay um so damn i know i know i did not know saying, that i know we keep saying that she's acting weird but is this potentially a side effect of her being assigned the death card which if i remember correctly is is supposed to represent transformation 
Is that right, Robbie? Yeah, it's a change. It's a definitely a change storm. Yeah, that's that's a, that's certainly one way to read it, for sure. Because she seemed rather set on Logan killing Saturnine during the the dinner. And right. that's, that's not something that I'd normally see her be okay with. So I'm wondering if that plus her actions here might be us seeing a, the transformation starting. Well, and it's interesting you mentioned that because it, it seems like it did not go unnoticed by Saturnine that although Storm didn't raise a hand, at her just the fact that she was uh that she approved of logan's behavior is enough to you know to piss off saturnine right because yeah so that's interesting like that that's the level that saturnine's playing on like you don't even have to do shit she she can hear your freaking thoughts you know and so how about this moment right so storm and saturnine uh storm and saturnine storm and wolverine are getting ready to make out and solemn says but i'm sorry to say i have other plans saturnine my love Bring me my boy. <laughs> Solemn just flirting with everybody. <laughs> now, is Solemn flirting with Saturnine or has Solemn been scheming with Saturnine? Mm. Good question. Maybe Good a little question. bit of both. I mean, and if Saturnine had blue balls from, from Brian, Solemn would be a, a, a worthy runner-up. Also, those, if she those. ever got a million Brians, Solemn would probably play with her and them at the same time. That is true. <laughs> and thank you for putting that in my head, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just talk about that in this issue, Wolverine wins two matches and manages to both times Araka Araco gets the points. Uh twice. Yeah, no. she... twice. He kills Solom. Oh yeah, and you're Solem right. gets the point. Yeah, then... world logic him twice. Yes, yes. She like poor Wolverine. Wolverine cannot win for trying. Yep, because because Wolverine uh, took Solemn's spot. He was fighting for Solemn. So Solemn gets the point. So Solemn yep. gets the point, even though and Wolverine. <laughs> yes, that. Wolverine and Summoner fought to the death, and Summoner died. So Summoner gets the point. <laughs> And then, uh, and, and Krakoa scores a much needed point uh, just by Storm and, and Wolverine doing shots. At no mm-hmm. point were we going to have Krakoa versus Krakoa. And, and you know, nope. like, nope. it's just, yeah, I just, yeah. I, I dig. All right. Last thoughts on these issues and then predictions moving forward. We have six chapters left. I want to start with Robbie. So my prediction is that there's going to be somewhat of a tie of five to five before for the final issue of the event. And the reason why I think it's going to be a five, um, like each side has five, when we had the Ten of Swords card, like in the beginning, it showed five sword bearers and then five like silhouettes. So I wonder if that's foreshadowing, like mm. how the end, how it's going to be some type of weird draw. And then, I don't know, who knows, you know, will happen after that. <laughs> but that's a big prediction that I have. And um, that fight um, towards the end that Wolverine has, um, I really enjoyed that fight a lot. That was good, too, how no healing power but he still had the adamantium skeleton. And I mean, weird otherworld logic, but, um, (laughs) you know, war wasn't expecting him to still be invulnerable like that. Um, 
it was a well well paced or designed fight for them um yeah and i really like the facial expressions that she had when you know she was trying to murder him <laughs> <laughs> yeah she has a great look of shock and it's just kind of like a an o mouth in like a big flame head like there's not there's not like a lot of facial detail but there's still facial expression and I love the flame hand, the flame hand that kind of like is left in its place. That was beautiful. Oh, yeah. And, and I liked how um, when she's in pain, how the shape of her flame kind of is like sporadic looking, like more sporadic than usual. Because like normally it's like a like a normal flame and then it kind of. Yeah, it, it like intensified. Like you could tell yeah. she, she's screaming or yeah. Yeah, Kasara just. <laughs> Killing it, man. He's he's, and, and he's defending that title like of uh stuff on on X Force mm. leading up to this, but not it's, like this. Not yeah, um, yeah. You know, he did some really. I can think of like with Black Tom, he had some really in depth, impressive like uh, plant fuckery. But <laughs> and I want to say that he's also he's the artist that had Forge just kind of like grabbing the two pieces of Wolverine and like squishing them back together. Yep. Mm -hmm. He's had some really good art moments, but nothing that stole the show like this. Um, this was masterful. I, I was blown away by the art here. Yeah, yeah. This was this was super cool. I'm I'm glad that we saw the the payoff of the big mystery of what uh, Solomon Wolverine's deal was. You know, I'm glad that we've at least resolved that little yeah. plot thread. I don't know what to predict with this. I, I I have a feeling that we have another very sharp and abrupt turn in our in our future. Uh, I don't think that we're going to stay in this you know uh, party party drinking games mode for too long. I think I think we're going to end in a place uh, more similar to where we began and. And that's going to be jarring, and I'm sure people will be lighting themselves on fire about that. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really curious to see what other contest we have in store, and I want to see what happens with Betsy. I want to see where the hell Monet is. I want to see Monet snatch Saturnine's wig and her crown. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I, my predictions are expect the unexpected at this point because what we thought this was going to be is not what it is, and that's something worth celebrating. Yes, this is topsy turvy other world again. Oh yep. yeah. So Kyle, yes. Final uh, thoughts and predictions. Oh geez. So my my eyes are focused almost entirely on Hellions at the moment because the contest has already started. Their mission is pointless so i i kind of wonder what kind of mischief and mayhem they are going to cause as a result of showing up late and yeah i i that's that's pretty much all that i've i've been thinking about the last week or so and i mean we we only have two weeks left before this this ends so um they've got to do a lot <laughs> So for me, next week we have X-Force Hellions Cable. The fact that we just watched so many little throwaway and hidden lines and things all become points of like plot turn makes me wonder, are we going to see Domino next week? Do they call Domino in and have her luck try to press some of these in their favor now that they're down five to two? Do we see Domino and Iska in something? Not that Domino's competing with Iska, but is Domino's luck power fucking up Iska's 
Now, what a daffy something. Hmm. <laughs> if it happens, it's going to happen in Chapter 17. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hellions are definitely going to fuck something up in Chapter 18. And then I was confused by this at first because I was not expecting Bay to interact with Doug. Because Marvel only gave us three explicit matchups ahead of time. We were told that Ilyana was going to face Pog, that Betsy was going to face Iska, and that Cable was going to face Bay. So do we have Cable versus Bay? What is Doug's part in it? What happens in Cable 6? Um, I think the recurring use of these characters and the way they're being bound together, I still want to see Doug interact with Red Root. I want, like, want to see dynamics between Red Root and Bay now. I want to see, like, there's so many more things to happen like with these characters off of each other since i'm not getting sword fights i'm really more interested in that um and i have no freaking clue how it's going to resolve you know what i can't get out of my head and i and i blame the uh the the handbook for this megan right where where is megan and all this and is she going to play a role sooner than later you know, I saw someone on X Twitter point out that um, on the cover of, I think it was chapter 21, where there's like a hand holding like that piece of like apocalypse, how apparently that looks like it's Megan's hand. Ooh. Interesting. So um, I'm hoping <laughs> she comes in and throws those hands at Saturn 9. <laughs> <laughs> And there were two characters that we got a glimpse of in the handbook that we have really not seen yet in this story. Megan and Moira. Yes. Yep. True. We're running out of chapters. All we have of Moira so far has been, well, since her one panel appearance was the reference in the data page of Marauders 15, where yeah. it was explained that her brain functions were wiped out as a result of telepathic bomb. Yep. Yeah, that was an interesting little uh, tidbit for them to include in the, in the apocalyptic future no no pun intended mm -hmm. sorry now i'm looking for that again <laughs> i remember that but i don't remember it specifically was that in marauders yeah it was marauders yeah. it was yeah. um telepathic mind bomb was was hauled through the gate and detonated hundreds of hundreds of mutants higher brain functions were erased from their brains including moira x in her no place oh yeah this is okay yeah yeah, yeah. so this is uh, in the alternate this is in the yeah. age of ultron world yeah yep this is how it all went down yeah so she was mentioned as hiding in her no place um but that the arakans would still get to her if they come through yep which just feels weird to me because we know that moira nine like became their stepmom right right yeah no it, it that to me just read as like a reminder to the reader that moira is still a big effing deal and she's a big piece on this board even if you don't see her yet you know moira's like this ah it's so cool moira has become so much bigger in her in her absence from the pages right she she's changed the whole you know universe of of the x-men and and she's become this you know almost mythic character and she's never on panel so anytime you even see the word moira now it's just again i mean just the transformation of that character is insane it's, it's the prestige and the power yeah the more they show her off the more normal she becomes so she maintains that mythicness yeah by not being used but i want i want moira
Hey everybody, Nico and Keva one last time. Hello. And one of the things that I think has been most rewarding about covering Captain Britain with you is that it gave me so many opportunities to read and reread and read and reread that era and how much of it Teeny Howard pulled from for her current run of Excalibur. I'm really excited to get back to reading that with you and to move forward through Captain Britain's lore. But one thing I've wondered, would you pick the amulet or the sword? Oh, you can't just spring that on me live. Well, Shoot. I would pick the amulet. I just know that I'm not great with the sword and I would hope that the amulet is magical and you can use your heart or whatever because if I had the sword I would probably cut my own arm off. I think I'm 50-50. I think it depends on the situation where I'm at, how I feel, what I, you know, I think it's just something that would instinctively come out. I would hope amulet but I don't know. Well whether you want to be a Lionheart, a Captain Britain, or a Captain Albion, this next clip has Nathan leading a room featuring regular contributors Raven, Rod, my Myself and Dante, as we all take a look at the kind of changing and shifting tides of apocalypse and what it might mean that his family has been changed forever on the pages of X-Men, and frankly, how much we all hope to see a bit more Genesis, Annihilation Optional. In Excalibur, we have Teeny Howard as the writer, Phil Noto as the artist, and on Wolverine, we have Benjamin Percy and Gary Dugan as writers, and we have Joshua Kazara as the artist. So, the tournament is begun <laughs> after 14 issues of getting the swords, and hey, a two-issue party. Now, we're just like, bam, break fast into the tournament. Um, What does everybody think of the pacing of this event so far with these two issues. Terrible. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's like night and day. <laughs> it was a big shock. <laughs> I think the whole I think the whole X Twitter uh, X fandom just kind of was like in awe of the twist that happened because it in the whole like 14 issues before it it's so serious and and history telling and being like this is doom or gloom, you know? Yeah. And now it's like Let's battle, y'all. Yeehaw. Like, I don't, mm, I don't know. <laughs> and yeah. I, it also, it's like, it's like, okay, like, okay, okay, wait, like, okay, hold on. So, <laughs> here's what it is. <sighs> so, you, anybody here a Gossip Girl fan? No. Okay, well, you know you love me, XO Gossip Girl. In the end, it's revealed that, because like, the whole show, it's like, who's Gossip Girl? Like, you know, it's kind of like proto Pretty Little Liars, right? And mm -hmm. it's like, who's Gossip Girl the whole time? And then they reveal it's a character that it can literally not be. Like, it literally cannot be this character. In fact, when pressed about it, the show's creators, executive producers, and head writers, the same two people, uh, both said, oh, no, we know it doesn't exactly make sense, but we were more interested in the payoff of it than it really working. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Oh, and that's what this kind of feels like. On paper, if you read the bullet points of what happens and you frame it with the right preceding bullet points, this shit's gorgeous. But when you <laughs> look at the yeah. applications of the story and the narrative and where the beats come into play, it feels like everybody's slightly out of tune and slightly out of time and nobody can figure out what's going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, like, I was okay with everything in Excalibur, um, for, like, right after Betsy got broken and everything, I was like, okay, okay, I I, I knew she was gonna die, I like that Satarang yeah. stuck on her pieces, very yeah. petty, I love it, um, <laughs> but then right after that, everyone kind of being like, oh, well, Betsy died, hmm, Doug's getting taken away, oh, oh, well, let's just keep going, 
Like what? <laughs> and look, I expected Betsy to die. I totally get that she was going to fucking lose that fight, but they killed her so fucking fast with so oh, little uh, show of it. I mean, it oh, was like God. over in practically less than a page. I'm like, excuse me, you just did a 14 issue build up <laughs> to this shit. You're going to give me one page of her floundering like a squire on the first day of night school are you fucking kidding me oh i was hot oh my god it seemed like i don't know if anybody watches star trek but it seems like oh like like night with a k night with a k (laughs) i've been sitting here like betsy's going to night school she is taking She is got. You know, she was too busy. So pretty, Nico. She was too busy being a model and a spy and a pilot. She couldn't finish her high school diploma, so that's why she's not in high school. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, those those GCSEs and entry level A levels. I don't know what the fuck they're called in Britain. This is her Alexis Rose moment. Ah, yes. Oh my god. Okay. Oh. Wow. I love that. Love that journey for that, I love that journey for her. Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> oh but uh, um, uh, yeah. yeah. So to me, Betsy dying so quickly in the first three, like first three, four pages, it seemed very much like when they killed off Tasha Yar. Like they just like the big slime mm-hmm. creature just was like, bam, you're dead. And she was just dead. I was like, uh, is this just to show the stakes are real? I mean, that's the only <laughs> thing I could think of. I expected like a whole issue where Betsy was going to hold her own and then bam, she was going to die at the end. But like three mm-hmm. fucking pages. And um, two of those um, were her in the tent going, I I got some tricks up my sleeve. Oh, honey, no. no. Learn them at night school. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that's why. That's why I'm. That's why I'm Oh my god. I that's why I'm hoping. <laughs> She would be the weird arty girl who dyes her hair purple. She's like, yeah, I'm in night school now. Right? <laughs> You're like, oh, for fuck's sake. No, I mean, that's why I'm hoping after this whole shattering mess of Betsy, because I feel like they've written her pretty, like, weak in, like, the last mm-hmm. Excalibur yeah. issues. So I'm like, maybe they're setting this up to make it seem like, oh, you know, she's so weak and self-conscious, but after she got shattered, she's going to be a new confident person, maybe. <sighs> I don't know. I hope so. I'm tired of like insecure Betsy. I need her to go away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bye. But they, did, but they did her dirty. They did her dirty. Yes. Oh, absolutely. But it's Saturday. Oh, yeah. She hates her, so it was going to happen. Well, yeah. and again, I I get the cheating, but I'm saying the the comic team that put this together cheated her by oh, yeah. killing her so yeah. quickly and and without any real fight to it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we got we got more wedding panels than we needed. Oh, right? mm, well. No, I don't know about that. Well, no, yeah. (laughs) I needed another book of wedding, actually. Right? Yes. I see. I, I, everyone loves a wedding. I'm just kind of mm, uh, okay with it. I mean, we all know Betsy. We we all know this isn't the last time we're seeing Betsy, right? I mean, like, there's yeah. no way. Well, yeah, but still, it felt like a disservice to, to the amazing character that she actually yeah. is. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but it, if it is the last time we see her, it is like you said. Oh my god, it's awful. Like, uh And then to have Saturnine walk on her shadows and just be like, "Bitch, I told you to fucking." <laughs> right. I mean, that you should was have awesome, had though. Brian block her in the jaw for that one. Yeah, I don't know why we didn't have Brian. Like, I guess he did kind of try to do something, but he like Cable to. and like Cable and Wolverine holding him back. He's stronger than them. Come on. Yeah, I'm like, mm, you got to try harder. That's your sister that she just literally stepped on the pieces of. I actually think a lot of it stands to the idea of ceremony and unceremony. Like she's unceremoniously defeated in a ceremonial battle, and then she is explicitly disrespected in the course of respecting the honor of the battle. Like, it's about playing against the ideas that I think we're expecting. I think that's even why it got so silly when we expected it to get so serious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I feel, like, I feel like the pacing I... that's happening uh, from before they got the or when they got the swords to, you know, post-dinner party, which, I mean, we got two books for a dinner party. And that's <laughs> But yeah. I think part of that is intentional in that, you know, the, the whole time leading up, getting the swords, even through the dinner party, all of the Krakoans are thinking it's going to be one-on-one battles. It's probably going to be like, yeah, like a, a big to-do. Um, and that's, that's the same thing that us as the audience reading along is thinking as well. And then we launch into the actual battles. And the first one is kind of what we expect, right? Like it's a, the sword battle. And then from there, it feels so fast paced. And I think it's meant to throw us and the Krakoans off. Um, so, I, you know, like I get it. I hate it. But at the same time, it's very strategic. Like you don't want to give people a chance to really wrap their heads around anything because, you know, we lose Betsy and then we go right into a wedding. Like there's yeah. no, there's no explanation. There's no pause. It's like, well, that's done. Let's go. So, and yeah. I feel like that's the setup for the rest of the event. It's like, no, you're not going to have time to get your footing. You just, you're ready. You got to be ready to go. No pause your pause. Yeah. <laughs> Betsy dies in the same issue that Doug comes of age because Betsy's major introduction into American comics was in a Doug coming of age story. So in the pages of New Mutants Annual Number 2. So it is so significant that Betsy and Doug reach critical apex of their logical progression in the course of Betsy. So Betsy, literally, that's her first appearance after being nearly killed as Captain Britain the first time in the 80s. So Betsy came back to life in part thanks to the affection from Cypher helping her to feel more human. And... To lose Betsy, the same issue that, I don't know, how else do we phrase it? That Doug surrenders to Bay, I feel like is some sort of logical turn of story. Yes. Oh, my God. The look on his face when he's getting dragged away, though. Right? He's like, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. (laughs) I don't want you to die either. Oh. Oh. Well, you might die by snoo snoo, but you're going to enjoy it. I wanted him to die, though. (laughs) Oh, no. Not my precious little baby twink boy. You can't kill him. I I really wanted him to die. I was kind of disappointed. No. Not my soft (laughs) boy. No. Avert your eyes, soft. 
I do uh, have to say, out of all the twists that happened, I feel like this is probably my favorite one, even though I'm not like super excited about it, but it is fun. And I, I do yeah. want to see where it goes. Like, I feel like we're going to yeah. get a good story from this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Well, yeah. And, and Bay said that she would defend him. I know. Her vows oh. were amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, oh, oh she's going to fuck Saturnine up if she tries anything. Like, she's going to drop a whole fucking house on her ass. She's just, oh, she makes me want. She's that teacher that fails you if she just doesn't like the way you write. Yes. Oh, I've, I've no. had those teachers. Oh, my God. What did y'all think of Jubilee coming in with her son? Oh, my God. I was going to say, that's oh the only God. one who cared. Jubilee. Hello. I already right? commented on it in the other room, but it was probably my least favorite moment of X of Swords. It was, oh, it was my, okay, so, okay. Yeah, I, I, I kind something. of agree. I have to say something real quick about, I hate, I, okay, so I love Jubilee and I love the Sun Dragon, but this, mm -hmm. putting her in the middle of this and the outcome of it, I hated it. First yeah. of all, her son going crazy, because yeah. it, like, didn't make sense to me. And then mm -hmm. Saturnine being like, oh, she hated the dragon at first, but now she, did. she knows it's a, it's a kid. She's like, oh, well, come to me now. And then she right. takes her son away. Right. And oh, and, and then, she does like, nothing. She does nothing. And like, Storm calms Jubilee down, and then we move on. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, no. The only thing that makes it even slightly okay is the fact that so much of this has been inherently self-referential to other points in X-Men canon, right? That so much of this touches back on milestones, that the fact that Jubilee charged in when she thought something was wrong and that somebody was in danger ties right back into Uncanny 251 with Logan up on the cross. So it's reminded in 250 it's reminded in marauders 15 and then it comes due here i guess to like put keen-eyed viewers in the right mindset but i'm i'm rod you're taking the words right out of my mouth man like i really did not like how it played out yeah it like i like I'm, I'm okay i'm okay with like jubilee coming in to save betsy like it's very own character right. for her yeah. But the way it played out was not okay for me. I'm like, and especially yeah. that Saturnine took her child and everyone yeah. in the yeah. later pages and later issues is just like, oh, well, we're not going to talk about that. We're just going to have Saturnine right? with the dragon. I'm like, that's yeah. Jubilee's child. No. Right? <laughs> I'm like, Jubilee would have lit her up or at least tried to light her up on a yeah. cellular level. And then Saturnine like, would have erased her from reality. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I get that. But like, she didn't even try. I'm like, what? Ha what? How do you, like this is jubilee how does she not at least try um so, and then they're like when bay and doug are kissing and they're like oh hey fireworks i guess it was really good for you too huh <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> i don't think bay could have given a shit less what was going on that brings me to like one of my big maybe things i don't like the most about this we spent what 14 12 issues getting the goddamn swords and now that we're in the battle and i know it was all a misdirect but like most of the battles do not fucking use the swords i'm like come mm. on like yes i know it was all a misdirect but really what was the importance of the sword <laughs> yeah i mean the swords were yeah. basically to show how like worthy they were but like we spent like entire issues on one sword. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I'm like, uh And whole pages know. on a death. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I just it needs to be sh like if we do another event like this, it needs the like the, the the working up way to it needs to be shortened. Like we don't need yeah. to spend a whole entire issue on mm -hmm. one thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Unless unless they're going to pay off with a full issue of that thing being used. Exactly. Or at yeah. least give us half a book per per battle. Like, give us some meat. I would I would have loved half a book per battle. That'd been great. Yeah. 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 Not what we get in Wolverine 7, which is like, oh, how oh. many battles do we get in the one oh. issue? Oh, here we go. <sighs> it was easier to follow Alice in Wonderland. That's all I got to say. Holy <laughs> Oh, uh, that battle between Pog and Ileana, guys. So, oh my, that I, was not a battle. That's not a battle. <laughs> that's no. that's when I knew for sure that this entire thing was a fucking farce. Yes, I, I we did get one really really cute line where like Pog your Pog's like, "What Pog your Pog beats Pog your Pog eat," and I'm like, "Okay, fine, you're a big Pokemon, right. I got it." <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, he's like, saying he's a Pokemon, but he's <laughs> no. What the fuck is, is he? Meowth? He's a Shakespearean no, dragon. No, Pog, your Pog's not a Pokemon. He's no, a Digimon. Died. He's a oh. yes. yeah, he's a freaking Digimon. <laughs> he look, Pokemon are Pokemon do not look that kind of insane. Oh, like right. he's a Digimon. He digivolved. That's all. He I a couple of times, like fuck. And I know some of your names are cute, like like where 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 Guru where 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 and like War Graymon and Patamon, and I'm all about Digimon. So and Mondo Guerra, who should have won Project Runway. Yeah. Gretchen beating Mondo remains one of the worst things that ever happened to me. I don't know what that is, but yeah, yeah. But, oh my god, you're right, Raven, though, that sword fight, that, not the sword fight, the arm wrestling match between Pog Your Pog oh and Ileana, that just showed me that Saturnine is just fucked. Yeah, She's that like, was fucked. pure farce. I'm like... Pure farce. Like, now, the, the one thing, the one, like, the best thing about this issue is the fight between Wolverine and Summoner. Oh, those pages oh, are... Oh, those pages, that's I what I was expecting. framed in my house. I want them yes, framed in my house. They're so yes. beautiful. They, they deserve whatever the award they get. What is it? Oh, uh, the Eisner? Eisner? Oh, yeah. Eisner. Eisner. They yeah. deserve an Eisner. Eisner and Harvey's. Those are the two big ones. Uh, well, it deserves Lutley. both of them. So, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, they changed the styles of the art and the the. I mean, like each thing, it fit an era, it fit an arc, it fit so beautifully and flowed into the next thing. And you're like, this is like the most gorgeous acid trip on a page. Yep. It was just masterfully done, and that was what I had been hoping that the other couple of fights were going to look like and didn't get that payout. But I was, I was so happy with I was that kinda, fight. Yeah, I was too. I was kind of shocked that, that Summoner got killed so quickly, even though it was like big pages, but he but didn't you really know, have any dialogue. It didn't feel like it was quick. It felt like they had been doing it over multiple realities. It felt like they were taking a long time trying to kill each other and just not dying. And True. he finally found that one place that he hadn't hit him yet, and that was the eye. I was Absolutely. Like, yes. uh, you know, just the, comparing this fight to Betsy's fight, like, Betsy oh. a few panels that you could look at. But this, like, pouring over every little section, like, there's mm -hmm. so much detail built into a single page, and mm -hmm. we got multiple pages of that. And, like, oh, I just, I loved it. I loved, like, looking at these tiny, tiny little, like, 
fractional of a page section and like seeing like, oh, what's representing Wolverine? What's representing Summoner? And it, yeah, it's just, it's mm-hmm. so gorgeous. Like it didn't feel like a short fight because I spent so much time looking and poring over these pages. Mm. I know one of the things that we were so excited about as a crew, like it was pretty much in every feed, every time I'm editing, I might have cut it here or there just for consistency. But like every single person said, I am so excited to see all of these other realms showcased in this battle because it's going to take place in all these other realms and then completely not utilized, completely overlooked as you know, something we talk about on another podcast I'm on. Hey, Joey, what's up, man? Um, Fast and Furious, Too Fast, Too Forever, is the movies of the Fast and Furious franchise where they honor the area and they become part of the area. Like when they go to Cuba, it's actually really like lovely and beautiful and it's a tribute to the country. But when they go to Japan, it's complete cultural appropriation because they're absolutely just using it like a middle school set backdrop. And... Like, I, I don't know if I can actually... Is this otherworldly an appropriation? They're just, like, using them as backdrops? But, like, I wanted to go these places! Yeah, Blight Spoke was the place they did. <clears throat> yes, I loved it. Like, it, it is... The it's like when star wait sorry just as stars go black and mountains crumble to dust realities can die the light spoke mm-hmm. is their cemetery and their hospice like holy shit I want to see like a whole series of like exiles taking place in these different realities like just Hells, like yeah. oh. oh wow each one following a different Betsy yes mm-hmm. oh yeah that'd be cool that would I be just, with this with this battle I just like I loved it and I get I definitely get like it definitely looked like it took a long time I just wanted some more like because we got so much like um time with Summoner right mm-hmm. we've seen him yeah. since like like X-Men issue one I mean issue two or something like yeah. that um, I just wanted more dialogue from him in his last mm-hmm. remaining moments you know he got uh. nothing like, why did we get all this time with him just for him to be like, sword, 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 stab, die? <laughs> <laughs> it was so satisfying, Silent though, to see him get stabbed in the eye and just, like, die. Right. Oh, definitely. I hated him, but oh, still. He was a but, but, little but bastard. like, Saturnine with her little tricky little Karen witch self, like, it was a fight <laughs> to the death. So, Summoner died, mm-hmm. so he got the fucking point. Uh, I mean, yeah, I that just it. reinforced my, my thought that, yeah, this is complete first. Yeah. She is pissed at Wolverine and she is gonna get him back and then to further her petty we get a drinking game with two Krakoans against each other I I did not I I did not like how um, Storm was written in this scene in this Mm. scene because it was very not her I feel like she was like bewitched or something and I feel like she's not going to they're just gonna be like oh yeah she was just drinking but I'm like how does she okay so Betsy died Mm -hmm. Uh, Jubilee's kid got kidnapped Doug just got married how is how is she of all like the leader and caring person of the x-men team mm-hmm. not saying talking about any of this yeah she's like hey let's just fucking drink anyway whatever <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. i don't like it yeah even wolverine saying stuff now come on <laughs> yeah Woo. it, it seemed she... like they were being influenced yeah when she's like oh and when he's like oh you're making me tickly and she's like watch your mm. mouth dirty old flirt or i'll sell mm-hmm. jeans like jeans her best friend she would not pull that on jeans like in my opinion it, it did seem outside of of storm's uh usual mannerism so it felt like they were being bewitched on one hand but on the other hand i really wanted to see it happen right? oh no i like i like wolverine and storm together i think they're mm-hmm. really cute. i think they're cute together and really good fuck buddies but mm-hmm. i i still 
still want her like at least in the beginning to show concern and then start drinking like i still <laughs> wanted the, i still wanted the scene i just wanted to like you know be like oh well i feel really bad about them dying but let's drink uh, like that's mm-hmm. all i needed <laughs> and then saturday the ever fucking cock block like right when they're about to right when they're about to kiss she's like five <laughs> i wanted to kick her in the taco all the more for that one like son of a bitch it's like oh, i want to see it she left storm on red i don't like it <laughs> sitting over here with comic blue balls what the fuck <laughs> some sort of galactic ruined orgasm situation <laughs> yeah <laughs> Okay, Very so what do we think? Like, I don't totally understand what it is, and I was wondering what you guys were thinking when Death gives the scarab to Mad Jim Jeff. It feels like Death is just so obsessed with Storm that I feel like that payment has to do with Storm. Like, I think <gasps> his motivation. And Ooh. whatever it is, hopefully we'll see what happens, uh, you know, what comes of that from in X-Force. But mm-hmm. I just, I can't get over it. I think Death is absolutely, like, wanting Storm for himself, and he doesn't almost care about anything else in the competition. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Death is horny for Storm. Such How can you not be? <laughs> right, right. I mean, like she's We're all lightning like... shit. <laughs> lightning. <laughs> well, she's the one person who doesn't fear him and doesn't just fall down and worship him. She knows him, but she will not just give in. Mm-hmm. So yeah, she's that that mildly elusive, aloof, hot girl with lightning powers that he just can't get over. <laughs> I mean, lightning. for any for any <laughs> king, for any king or god that is not automatically bowed down to, or automatically like giving utmost respect to, mm-hmm. he is yep. a, he or she or whatever is obsessed with that person. I mean, look at Storm and T'Challa. She didn't just bow down to him right after the bat. He became mm-hmm. yep. obsessed with her. Like people in power are become infatuated by people that aren't automatically amazed by them mm-hmm. yeah i mean you have to remember storm has been revered as a goddess and as a queen herself so like those titles really like she could give a shit about that she's like mm-hmm. i don't care she's like i'll i'll knock down with this little short hairy canadian over here i don't care whatever right <laughs> right well and that's um, i think that's why t'challa's <laughs> still trying to ride storm's dick and still trying to put her quote-unquote in her plates <laughs> because she still yeah. won't bow to him she does what is right mm-hmm. overall for the much larger picture whereas they're expecting her to just kowtow to whatever you know they say it's like well why don't you bow to me well because because i know that in the long run you don't matter (laughs) (laughs) and it drives them up a wall yeah you know and uh raven i I keep thinking back when we talked about the tarot cards and storm's card in particular and i wonder if death's obsession with storm will somehow lead to Storm becoming death. Hmm. Uh, because just just oh, yeah, at that tarot card, you know, Storm is leading people, quote mm-hmm. unquote, and maybe she might end up being like a new leader for the Iraqi in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just I'm so obsessed with everything with Storm right now, and it's like I need more. Right. You know what's happening? Yeah. They're definitely doing yes. something with her. Exosword yeah. is definitely like approaching Storm. I think she's going to be like the most person that gets the most from this, besides Betsy, because obviously Betsy's going to get a lot from this too. Yeah, but she's definitely. Does anybody think this is weird as an event overall? Like the two, you know how usually there's the all the A-listers that they put in the in the event. The only mm-hmm. two real A-listers are Storm and Wolverine in this event. Everybody else is different tiers. Like Betsy's probably a B tier. Um, Doug's probably like a D tier. But like they didn't put all their big <laughs> names. So like normally you would have like Wolverine, Storm, Cyclops, Phoenix, Professor Xavier, Magneto. This is the, yeah. like different. They're focusing on more of these characters. Yeah, I mean, it's been the Xavier Magneto show starring the Summerses for the last two years, and 
neither sight nor sound from the Great Helmeted Two or the Summers Clan. Though it is interesting that we went from two people who live in their helmets, Magneto and Xavier, who both had their <laughs> helmets drawn and pointed to, to Annihilation, whose helmet yep. literally represents who they are. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, I like that. That's yep. very true. And just, Annihilation fascinates me. I really, I want to, like, mm. I, I hope she comes out of this because I want to learn more. Like, uh, right. anybody who can, like, fucking put Apocalypse in his place, like, oh. Uh, right? <sighs> I, I hope we. I hope honestly that we get more. Um, I hope the annihilation mask actually goes away and we get Genesis. Like, yeah, I know mm. it's the same person, but like I want to know like how Genesis actually is because annihilation isn't her. Like annihilation right. is this like a, a cosmic being or whatever mm-hmm. that just wants to destroy everything. So I hope we get. I hope Apocalypse like succeeds in destroying it, probably destroying himself too, and that we get Genesis taking his place. Well, I mean, when Genesis defeated Annihilation, she became Annihilation. Yeah, true. So if Apocalypse defeats Genesis, does he become Annihilation? Maybe he'll figure out a way around it. Oh, no. Does that mean we're going to get, if that happens, then we're going to get like the survival of the fittest Apocalypse. Ugh. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) that's We don't need that again. Only the weak. Like only the strong. Over Annihilips. (laughs) Oh, God. God. Annihilips. Oh. That sounds like some kind of sex act. Right. <laughs> and Betsy learned it at night school. <laughs> no, her brother taught it to her. Ew. Sorry. Need a tongue scraper. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, overall feeling, guys, right? Like, I know these these two issues threw me for a fucking loop. It, this contest mm-hmm. is not at all what I was expecting. Like, oh yeah. my god. Where are you guys? <laughs> I did like that Wolverine was like, Adam Amtian's spine says, uh, oh, right. oh, yes! That oh, was man. like, I was like, ah, this is the Wolverine that I like. Like, they finally like making right. them a little better. This this issue, like, I have to go back to what Nico said about the event and like, single issue Wolverine. I feel like with the Wolverine actual issue, um, it was more him than how he was in Marauders. Mm. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I did love how, like, I was like, oh, War's going to beat Logan. But then, bam, he just cut her <gasps> fucking hand off. That was Well, because she was stupid. She went for his freaking spine. Yeah. War is not smart. I think you guys are right. War is not as tactical genius as, as she was presented to be at first. Like, oh. Yeah. Like, I honestly thought she was going to be much more of a tactical genius. And instead, she's she's really, really not. <laughs> seems like honestly, kind of like the dumbest one in in strategic wise of all the other swords people of, uh, on uh, Arakoa. So I don't, I don't. I guess that's. I guess that you could say that that's kind of like the theme of war because war is really like aggressive and makes the first move always like it's yeah. very destructive. And so war isn't a smart thing to do. So I guess that kind of yeah. she kind of replicates that. Although, and mm. she might have been thrown because she did, did just find out her son just died too right <laughs> well yeah. I, I actually almost appreciate that war isn't thinking clearly and being tactical but instead is being super emotional and yeah. emotions cloud judgments and even even a character that should be as strong as we expect war to be uh can be thrown off like that 